Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Annalisa and Relay, host of the Good Nicks podcast, which explores the journey and meeting of people who are doing good in the world. And hey, any other podcast with good in the title, I already know you're going to be a fan of. Unless you hate listening to this show, and then maybe not, but Good Nicks, still very good and worth checking out. Annalise is a big believer in the power of storytelling, so we're talking about how we can be more curious and tell better stories to promote good things in the world, to enact change. She's a huge defender of human rights, which, whew, take a look around. It's, it's, uh, they're in question lately. So we're going to talk about how we can try and overcome all the crumminess that's been going on through self-care, through helping others, through working with different organizations, different people, all to do better and do good in the world. Annalisa is also a professor at USC's School of Social Work. So we're talking about what inspires her about the next generation. And we're trying to answer the questions of how we can stop slavery and human trafficking. It's a big goal, but it starts by talking and learning more about it. And so we're getting into that conversation in this episode as well. There's lots of good stuff, perhaps fitting. Good nicks, good people, cool things, lots of good. It's all coming together, all full circle. And if you want to hear even more great conversations, go over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Sign up for the newsletter, which only goes out a couple times a month, so you're not getting bombarded by stuff, but you are getting good stuff, just like this conversation with Annalisa. To kick things off, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on? Hi, my name is Annalisa Relay, and I'm so excited to be here. Um, my elevator pitch, I just finished doing the first season of Good Nicks, which is a podcast that talks about people who are doing good in the world. I am also a professor at the USC School of Social Work. Uh, my area is in human trafficking um, and social change and the type of elevator I'm on. Um, I recently got to go... Um, you know, to that big building in Dubai, um, the world's tallest building. Of course, now that you've asked me this question, I can't think of the name of it. <laughs> but as you're, <laughs> as you're going through the elevator, I think what's really cool about it is um, it gives you like the heights of other places that you're in. Um, and and it's so tall that you actually, it's not a glass elevator till the very end. Um, but I think it's like really neat to kind of be on a journey and also on a parallel journey compared to the other places. So maybe that's where I'm at right now. That's super cool. I like that. I like that. Now you, you said you're the, you just wrapped up season one of Good Nicks. Obviously the show is called Good People, Cool Things. So we have a common interest of people doing good probably different focus areas but still i mean they're still doing great things so kind of a two-part question for you how did you get into this how did how did good nicks get started and what do you hope listeners get out of it so how good nicks got started is i have a really good friend who's the producer of the show jeff leitner and he and i have worked on different especially innovation projects together he was the first innovator in residence at the school of social work and so he had this idea about really doing a deep dive into how people do good because it's 
such a time in the world where people need to be doing good, but it's very daunting. And so we thought, could we, you know, give these like little snippets about people's journeys and their processes? And um, I don't want to give it away for folks that haven't seen it, but there's a little bit of a twist at the end, which I think makes your question about how I came to it really interesting. Because if you get all the way to the last episode, you'll find out there is actually one uniting factor of all of our goodness um, that is not apparent until the very last episode. And so then it becomes a little bit strange as to why I'm the person that is the host. And I think that, you know, it came to that because Jeff and I really wanted to create a space where we made people realize this type of good, whether small or, you know, uh, lowercase g or big case g could happen with anyone as long as they have, you know, the wherewithal to pursue this kind of commitment to the world. Um, and, and yeah, and that's kind of how we, how we started. And that's really what we want people to get out of it too, is like, you don't have to think about good as like some huge impact change that you have to make on the world, but all, hopefully all of these small acts, you know, build kind of the world that we really want to be living in as opposed to where we are now. Yeah. (laughs) And I think you've kind of, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I think just, and and this certainly comes across in goodness of the the kind of transformative power of storytelling, which from my my prep for this, I kind of feel like that's a, a common theme for you that you're you're really big into how storytelling can can change the world, whether it's it's massive scale or smaller scale. I don't think everyone has this gift though of being able to tell stories. So how can we work on that and better tell stories to promote good things that people are doing? I think first you have to be curious. Like you have to be really curious about the the why and the how and and not just what is happening and have a genuine which is actually easier said than done, but have like a genuine interest in in people's experiences. I think oftentimes we're trying to relate to people in such a way so that we're like always trying to say like where am I in that story? But sometimes we can just have a story for the sake of that person's story and find connections in other ways. They don't have to exactly match, you know, where we have been or, or how we see things. And and I think the way that, you know, people can just go back to this kind of lost art of conversation and, and even whether that's not, whether that's using like modern technological ways of doing it or really just sitting down and learning how to listen to people. Um, I think that's the first step. And and really honoring that everyone has such an important story. I think that we're so used to like, especially in this world of content creation, there has to be something epic or unique or whatever. I think there's something beautiful in everybody's story. And if we can kind of cultivate that, I mean, that sounds a little bit woo-woo, but, <laughs> you know, but but it's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I feel like... Um... Instagram is a really good example of kind of the epicness of everything. It's like, because there is so much out there that like you almost have to do it. Like I don't actually, this is probably more um, on YouTube than, than Instagram, but these bird dog commercials where uh, Pinocchio is the spokesperson (laughs) and it's just this like shrill high pitched voice. And I mean, it, it drives me nuts, but I'm like, it it does catch my attention because it's this ridiculous thing of like what's going on. But to your point, I I do value like the I don't want to call them like lesser stories, but like 
sort of the more kind of like ordinary and everyday things where it's like it's not a person that's you know gone across the world dropping off lunches to people like you know <laughs> like out of helicopters and stuff like that like there's still so many cool things that people are doing so i i appreciate your take on that yeah thanks i mean i i think about like some of the things that you know our good nicks told us these these people that we interviewed in and one of them was like um, or a few of them were like, I just saw something that really made me think like this should not be this way in the world. And I want to fix it and do my little part in it. And one of our good nicks was like, yeah, when I was like five, I started a tooth club because I thought everyone should have clean teeth. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous and absurd, but, you know, as a first step that made kind of sense when she talked about her journey afterwards. Love it. I don't know what I was doing at five, but certainly <laughs> right. wasn't starting probably any clubs, let alone tooth clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, one other thing that I, I think is interesting to talk with fellow podcasters is about, and this kind of goes back to the like ongoing content creation cycle type of thing. Like podcasts, especially, I think it can be hard to take breaks. You know, it's like, some of some of the most popular podcasts like a Conan O'Brien needs a friend they're churning out multiple episodes a week now and it's like every I think it's every Monday is a celebrity interview and then every Wednesday and I'll probably get that wrong and I'm sure I'll have some super <laughs> fan yell at me but something like that and I think it can be I mean it, it can definitely be like overwhelming and daunting and good Nicks, just wrapped on season one and now you've got a break before the next season but this is something that you always wanted to do we were like I, you know, we have our, our set amount of episodes and we're going to have a nice like strategy around that or how or, or, or you just saw the stories that you had and you're like, oh, this seems like a good place to kind of kind of cut things off. Yeah, we always meant to have like a nice round number. So these 10 episodes and, you know, the way that uh, both are. Uh, producers, both Jeff and Amanda Mayo, who was our producer and our editor and director, um, really envisioned it was these, you know, 10 themes around doing good. And maybe like by the third episode, we started getting overwhelmed by, you know, people calling us, emailing us, leaving comments around, wait, I know other good nicks. And, and that's when it started to take on almost a life of itself. By the time I got to the last episode, I was the one like telling Jeff and Amanda, like, wait, wait, are we sure? Can we wait? How soon can we do this again? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So did they, did they give you an answer? Do you know when season two is? Can we get a scoop? I don't have a scoop to give you yet. <laughs> we are not sure, but we are thinking about, you know, um, the infrastructure of things and, and different ways that we can kind of build it. Uh, it is, it is interesting. It's hard to talk about like without revealing, you know, kind of the end, which I don't want to do, but um it is this idea of like within different pockets and communities, like how folks do good and how very different it is. Um, so I'm excited to see like if we can continue to tell that story in innovative ways and in ways that people stay interested in. Nice. I like that. Well, we're looking forward to season two and one of the other many things that I, it seems like you've been for, for maybe even your entire life and certainly throughout your career is being a defender of human rights, which let's just take a look around at what's going on uh, here in the U.S. And, and I mean, across the world, too. But 
Uh, it's been rough. It's been a rough yeah. 2022. So why, this is probably a pretty loaded question, but why is this still such an ongoing issue? I I mean, that is the, that is the question of the millennia, I think. Um, I, I mean, I have a very, I'll give you my academic kind of answer. And that is, or maybe it's not just academic, maybe it's common sense. We need to not forget history. And I think that we live in a time where news is so fast. I mean, everything is so fast, right? And instantaneous. And we can really um, live kind of almost a whole lifetime in a week. And so what happens is we forget the lessons that we've learned. So I'm Filipina, and we just had the most horrendous election in the Philippines where we have re-elected um, the family of the, you know, infamous Philippine dictatorship. And it's like, unbelievable, you know, how, how did this happen? And everyone can say like corruption and poverty and things like that. But I think quite simply, it's because we have forgotten the lessons that we've learned. So you could go into places where there's whole generations that don't remember what happened even a generation before. And so I think that, you know, in the rush to kind of keep getting better, we forget to look back. And that foundation and our history and what we've gone through, those are lessons that we have to learn from. And I think that's, you know, kind of why we're still dealing with what we're dealing with. And and it ebbs and flows, you know, we, we two steps backwards, one step forward, et cetera. <laughs> Several steps sideways. So, yes, definitely sideways, <laughs> spiraling. <laughs> and I, I think that goes back to what you were talking about earlier about having a curiosity and I like, I mean, I, I'm not, I certainly wasn't alive, you know, 50, a hundred years ago or thousands of years ago. None of us were, but like, I'll still get into these rabbit holes sometimes where I'm going down a path just to learn about something from a historical time from before I was born. And I think it, it is important to, to at least be curious about it. So to learn a little bit or else, yeah, we were spiraling a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. And I mean, and and I think now more than ever, we have like, we, I mean, we literally have, you know, any amount of knowledge at our fingertips. And so when I work, especially with youth, I really like to encourage that, um, yeah, that curiosity and, and wanting to be able to, um, you know, foster um, these types of connections with the past. I, I, I just think it's so important, unbelievably important. Um, I have a niece who's 13. And when she gets into something, I will slide down that rabbit hole with her. And because I think it's important to really understand things, not just broadly, but deeply. And um, yeah. What's a, a recent rabbit hole? You've gone down together. Six. Have you heard of that? It's like this. Um, you know, it's one of the popular Broadway shows right now, and it's about the six ex-wives of Henry VIII. Um, it's actually supported by a very popular podcast called Noble Blood. And so she and I have gone down that rabbit hole together. I was really happy because she really wasn't, um, you know, a strong history student, didn't love it. And this just made her kind of love things that were historical because there was a contemporary twist and interpretation that I think resonated, you know, not just with herself, but also with her friends. And so, I said, yeah, let's go through it. Let's start with Henry VIII's six ex-wives. <laughs> That's the strangest thing. 
a, a very common launching off point. Yeah, people. yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that for you. <laughs> I think my first introduction to Henry the Eighth is um, through the Herman's Hermit song. I'm Henry the Eighth. I am. Which there, see is that. not at all about. Uh, <laughs> about Henry Henry, Lodge, I know. Say, which is a nice little, nice little twist on things. Love it. We've all heard the Daniel Powder song. You had a bad day. And then there's a bunch of other words. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I do know that you might be having a tough day. And here's something that can help raise your spirits. Don't listen to the Daniel Powder song. I mean, you can. It's a fine song. But even better than that, the Agency for Change podcast, which tells the stories of people who are doing good in the world. It's inspiring. It's uplifting. And it just might help you turn your day around and it might even make you realize there's something you could be doing to change the world because you're hearing other people that are doing good. You're like, hey, that's easy enough for me to do as well. We could all use a little more heartfelt, uplifting spirits in our lives that give us the opportunity to make and affect change. Every week, hosts Lynn and Kelly talk with a different do-gooder, someone who's using their power to improve the world. New episodes of Agency for Change come out every Wednesday wherever you listen to your podcast. You can check out old episodes right now. You can wait for the new one that comes out conveniently the same day as this podcast. You got two great shows that you can listen to. Making your Wednesday, your hump day, fantastic day. Take a listen. Agency for Change. You said when you're working with the youth... And you're a professor at USC's School of Social Work. So first off, fight on. My sister went to USC. So thank you. I, I still have a couple USC shirts and I always forget when I'm wearing them out. And I'll be like, I was at a basketball game one time and a guy just threw up a, a peace sign at me, like a fight on. And I was like, y- yes, can, like, can I help you? And then he just like kind of nodded at my shirt. And he said, <laughs> and I said, oh, yes, 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 fight on. And then he was like, oh. He like just he looked terrified for a second that I I wasn't going to give him one back. Uh, but this is, this is a long winded way of seeing like you're working with all these young minds all the time. What's something that inspires you about our next generation? Oh my god, the hope inspires me. Um, I and the audaciousness. And this is not this is even like younger than my own students. I have, you know, my students are graduate students. So they're, they've gone through like their undergrad work and, and are really focusing, you know, in this, in these specialized areas, but you know, this belief that they have that things can change, that they could do things to create that change is a constant source of inspiration for me and also what they're doing you know when I say their audaciousness I mean they're doing things that I would never like think about um, you know think about doing or changing uh, when I was younger maybe Um, you know like oh I think we should rebuild in the juvenile justice system I think we should figure out a new way of policing that doesn't include police I mean those are really (laughs) amazing kinds of things to me. And they come to it with, you know, um, not just the possibility and potential, but, you know, really with, I think, grounded in kind of reality um, and and how to utilize resources um, in, in ways that uh, I think are just getting better. Um, and so that keeps me 
engaged. It keeps me challenged, you know, like to be a professor, you got to be a little bit ahead, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, and so um, it's really quite a joy uh, to work in those spaces. I don't even know if these types of sites still exist, but um, I, I remember at least in high school, and I think we had something in college of like a rate my professor type of thing. Have you poked around those sites? Do you have yeah. good feedback on there? Um, so I, I, I might say no, I actually have never poked around in those sites because I've had colleagues who do and they just kind of hurt your feelings. I think a lot of people that use that are, are students that are mad at you. Um, (laughs) so, um, I'll, I'll, you'll always have folks that are not happy with the way that you do things. Um, and I do have to admit, I'm kind of a hard grader. I do believe people should know how to do things like write really well if we're going to give them letters after their name. And so I'm not always the most popular when it comes to that. Yeah, I always, I mean, as a college student, I'm sure I felt similarly, but there was one professor in particular that same type of thing of like, oh, he's so tough, like just, you know, real, real terrible. I went to one of his office hours the first week and he was just like so excited that I was interested in learning more. And it like, (laughs) I was like, they, these professors like want you to do well. Like they're not, yes. they're not giving you a hard time because it like makes them happy. It's because they're trying to get you to do better. Oh my gosh, absolutely! You know, I was on a dissertation committee for a student that was actually my master. My, you know, got their masters and was my student uh, when they got their masters. They're at a different university now, but I'm their like outside chairperson uh, for their dissertation. And when she passed that first qualifying exam, I cried. Like me and her mom cried. Um, and it just reminded me, you know, yeah, we're it is a journey that we're on together. And um, it, I mean, just a level of of pride, um, not because of something that I taught her, but for really continuing down that trajectory and and understanding like the the work that she's doing is important. We've touched on some heavy topics on this, and I think it can be easy to kind of overlook our own self-care and our own, you know, our own health and everything with what's going on. So what's a way that you practice self-care that you think might be helpful for some other people? Um, I have a really strong tribe of friends that I keep um, and make sure that we stay in touch. I'm always the one that is like, shouldn't, aren't we overdue for a lunch, a brunch, or whatever. Um, so I do think that I take a lot of self-care in keeping those connections and taking time uh, away from from work, you know, where I'm not distracted digitally or with emails and things like that. So that's one. Um, I love to travel. Um, I try to actually fold that into work that I do. And I love to read, I mean, which goes back to kind of our story piece. It's a quick escape. What's your top brunch item? I feel like every good brunch starts with a good Bellini, Mimosa, or Bloody Mary. That has to be your foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? I, I myself am not a Bloody Mary fan. The Bellinis and Mimosa. Yes, absolutely. me too. Let's bring them on. I, but I was talking with someone and they were, they were trying to convince me of the merits of a Bloody Mary. And th- I think... I don't even remember their argument, but I think they were saying that it once once they start like loading up a Bloody Mary where you can like barely even like tip it over to drink, that's when it's gone 
off the rails and you don't want that you just want like your pure tomato juice and whatever else goes in a blender <laughs> but is that correct I, do you agree with I, that? I think so I'm like you I'm much more of Bellini and Mimosa girl I try to be inclusive though so that's why I threw the Bloody Mary in there and also like I feel like one of my best friends would never forgive me if she listens to this and doesn't hear that because it's her go-to but she is also a purist and has the same philosophy as your friend okay okay yeah maybe they'll go to brunch together and they can that's they right can have Bloody Marys will have mimosas. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Another question I always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And perhaps this might be the most ambitious question in the history of good people, cool things. But how can we stop slavery and human trafficking? All right. How can we stop slavery and human trafficking? I, I am glad you asked that because no one ever asked me that question. So I think there's several ways. Um, none of them are easy. One is we have to be more transparent in our business practices. Uh, labor trafficking, even though we don't talk about it as much as, as sex trafficking, is a preponderance of the problem. And so if we know where our stuff is made, how it's made, where it comes from, that can be a huge disruptor in the slave trade. Um, the second is when we're talking about sex trafficking, actually, and labor trafficking too, is if we can stop this commodification of human beings, meaning if we stop believing at some level that everything is for sale, then I think that that can help, you know, stop human trafficking. And finally, we just have to keep talking about it and keep raising awareness because I don't think people understand like how big of a problem it is. Like even in a country like the United States, where the average age of sex trafficking victims is 13. I think talking about it is maybe even the first step just because so, so many yeah. people are so unaware of what's going on. And then when you learn about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you're almost off the hook here but we always like to wrap up with a top three and again another ambitious top three here top three things people can do to change the world yeah um it is ambitious but i think we're like i think it's also i don't know there's easy things to do you know one is to just start taking action it doesn't have to be like like i was saying earlier it doesn't have to be huge things um it could be something like Picking a topic or an issue that, you know, doesn't sit well with you or that you really resonate with that keeps you, you know, Jeff likes to say what keeps you up at night and trying to think of, I wish I had a solution to this. And then just kind of start doing your small part. So if that's climate change, maybe it's moving to like less waste or even just recycling or um, if it's, you know, stuff around the youth or homelessness. I mean, there, there's all sorts of little things that we could do. Um, I think the second thing you could do is to to make it a community effort. And when I say community, I don't mean like, you know, with your whole kind of neighborhood or region, but I mean, even just with your small tribe of friends, uh, making a commitment with one another to, to do something together. Um, and then I think the last thing is to be self-aware about the kind of world that we want to live in and what we can do in our small part to make that happen. I like it. It seems easy when you lay it out like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not hard. <laughs> awesome. Well, Annalise, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. If people want to listen to Good Nicks, 
learn more about what you're doing, where can they find you? They could find us at goodnix.org. Um, and uh, they could find me. You know, I'm supposed to have like a really strong social media platform, but I don't. <laughs> And so if you don't have a stamp, you can find me um, at Annalisa in Relay at iCloud.com. And I still prefer that is still the best way to contact me. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm still on Vine, so I'm I'm uh, doing poorly on social media too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm failing. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Annalisa. And of course, we've got to end with a corny joke, as we always do. A limbo champ walks into a bar. They lose. <laughs> Get after it today, people. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.